In that home, he also you learned the rule of law. And I refer again that his father was a Pharisee. In Acts 23, verse 6, you will learn that, that his father was a Pharisee. Pharisees were, they were punctilious in stroking the T's and dotting the I's of every detail of observing law and authority. Now, I know that they had added man-made commandments. They brought in the Mishnah. They had added their own man-made interpretations and made them as important as the very Bible itself. There were corruptions to it, but they impressed upon the young that there is law to be kept. Paul learned that. And welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Glad to be on the air again to bring you the message of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And I trust that this will be an opportunity to get to know the Word of God. We call this Let the Bible Speak for that very reason that we want the Lord to speak to your heart right from His Word in our preaching, in our comments, and in the messages in song. So stay tuned with us today as we turn to our Bible reading in Matthew 5, verse 43, the Sermon on the Mount by our Lord Jesus. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now the key text here, of course, is verse 44, love your enemies. The teaching and preaching of our Lord was a call to totally different responses than the carnal man to the opposition of enemies. The Christian is to be known for his true love, for the good of even the worst of men. Dr. Barnes noted on this, saying, But though we may hate his conduct and suffer keenly when we are affected by it, yet we may still wish well to the person. We may pity his madness and folly. We may speak kindly of him and to him. We may return good for evil. We may aid him in the time of trial. We may seek to do him good here and to promote his eternal welfare hereafter. This seems to be what is meant by loving our enemies. And this is a special law of Christianity and the highest possible test of our piety and probably the most difficult of all duties to be performed. Then there were the words of our Lord Jesus, Bless them that curse you. The word bless here means to speak well of or speak well to not to curse again or to slander, but to speak of those things which we can commend in an enemy, or if there is nothing that we can commend, to say nothing about him. 
The word bless, spoken of God, means to regard with favor or to confer benefits, as when God is said to bless his people. When we speak of our blessing God, it means to praise him or give thanks to him. When we speak of blessing people, it unites the two meanings and signifies to confer favor, to thank, or to speak well of. The Lord Jesus himself did good to the worst of men, and he prayed for those who drove the nails into his hands and feet to crucify him. To this we are also called. It is the heart of God. In verse 45 we are told that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. This good God of long-suffering showers upon men daily good in that he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God's daily law is to show kindness to rebellious sinful men who deserve immediate damnation. However, he extends his goodness to them and gives them continuous opportunities to behold God's great goodness. The next argument that the Lord Jesus uses in this passage is to show that the Christian way to treat our enemies by showing them kindness is that to love only those that love us is no more than what publicans or carnal people do. It is no high and noble thing to return a compliment or a favor to one who has already bestowed much good upon you, but to show love and generosity to one who has just injured you is a noble thing. It is a Christian testimony of Christ-likeness. The final call of the Lord that we must do for our personal enemies is to pray for them. Bring their names before the Father's throne. God is interested in the case and bringing evil men to see their folly and be brought to repentance. To ask God to open their eyes, give them a right heart and attitude, to stop them in their madness, are right cries for us to offer. It glorifies God. It shows our true interest in the welfare of the worst of men, and it turns us into the healers of hurts and wrongs. So the law of God is high and holy. We are to be for reconciliation. We are to be for truth and righteousness, and to lead men out of error into the way of blessing. We should be willing to suffer wrong that good may come of it, and the gospel be promoted through the testimony of forgiveness, mercy, and striving for peace with all men. The church of the Lord Jesus would be a stronger force in the world if every Christian obeyed this command and lived by this maxim. Alas, too often the world looks on and sees little difference between the spirit of Christians and worldly men. So today, obey this holy and high command of the Lord to love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Let's take this to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank thee today that we have the light of thy word to teach us to live the Christian life after the fashion of our Lord Jesus. He who loved his enemies, who came into this world to make Christians out of his enemies, to change rebellious hearts into the hearts of holy, godly men and women. We thank thee today that thou art able to give us grace that we might 
so act and respond to those who set themselves against us. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt give us a testimony of our Lord Jesus, the one who reviled but did not revile again, and that we may be able to turn the other cheek, that we may do good to those who despitefully use us. And we pray, O Lord, that even today there may be opportunity to be reconciled, to be restored to those that have become our enemies. We pray for the peace of God to rule in families and homes. We pray for marriages today where there may be strife and conflict, hurts and injury. We pray for the love of God to rule and reign. We pray for the power of the gospel to change hearts and give that ability to do good one to another. We pray for children, for teenagers. We pray for families to be in unity, in order, and Lord, that there may be the rule of the gospel. We pray that thou wilt bless thy church with peace and joy in holy service. We pray that the cause of the Lord Jesus will be extended by the godly example and living of thy people. And so, Lord, let thy spirit be upon us today that we may live out this command to love our enemies. And we pray that we may show them the love of the Lord Jesus, telling them of thy great love in your death on the cruel cross for their guilty sin. We ask, O God, for opportunities to share the gospel today. Give us the Holy Spirit. Give us words to speak. Give us the power that we may speak well of the Lord for the Lord Jesus and be witnesses for thee today. Will thou comfort the lonely, draw nigh to those that are sick and going through times of pain and suffering. And we pray for the comfort of the Spirit of God to minister to the hearts of every one of thy people. We do ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Hallelujah, I have found him who my soul so long had prayed. Jesus satisfies my blood I now am saved. For I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy, but the dust of You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. This is Ian Golliher. It is a joy to have you with us on the broadcast. I trust you've been blessed through this devotional and that you'll stay with us as we look at the early life of the Apostle Paul, the life that would march around the Mediterranean 
and preach the glorious gospel as the vessel of God, God's choice vessel to preach the glorious gospel. And that life had to be molded, had to be prepared in various unique ways. Today we're going to take a look at that. I trust you'll open your Bible with us at the book of Philippians chapter 3 as we let the Bible speak from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. In such a home as this, obviously Jewish, I should say also that Saul's father was a Pharisee. This had a great impact upon him. He learned the Hebrew language. He grew up in Greek culture, Greek literature, Greek conversation in the streets, in the marketplaces. That was the culture around him. But in the home, in the family, he was a Hebrew. And he learned the Hebrew language. And Paul used that to his advantage. When he had visited Jerusalem and was arrested and was under mob rule and he was called upon to speak to the people, we're told that he spoke in the Hebrew tongue to the people. And in brackets, you can read of this in Acts 22, in brackets, it seemed to quell the prejudice and the venom that was against him because these prejudiced Jews, when someone spoke to them in Hebrew, well, that was like, you're one of us, because he spoke Hebrew. It wasn't Greek. It wasn't uh, Roman. It was their own language. Paul used that to great effect. And that's why, if I may pause here and, and, and take you to 1 Corinthians 14, that chapter about speaking in tongues, Paul could say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than ye all. He wasn't speaking about ecstatic tongues. He wasn't speaking about some letting loose his tongue and speaking in some unknown language. Paul had the ability to speak in a number of languages. Latin, Greek, Hebrew, possibly Aramaic, most likely Aramaic, sitting under Gamaliel. He was a man who could truly say, I thank God I speak in, with tongues more than ye all. And the charismatics take from that, there you are, Paul the apostle spoke in tongues. He believes in this ecstatic speaking. None of it at all. He was a man who had the ability to speak in various languages. Another thing about growing up in that Jewish Hebrew home is that he learned the Scriptures, the 39 books of the Old Testament. What an advantage that was when God called him and saved him. Growing up in that home, a Hebrew boy must be able to read what they call unpointed Hebrew at the age of 13. That is Hebrew without the vowels, just consonants. It's not easy. And it's reading it from the Scriptures. He would be examined on his knowledge of the Scriptures. That's the home. That's the education, the home life that this man had. And no wonder when he wrote his epistles in the New Testament, the book of Romans in particular, you will find interspersed 
in the very intricate language and the logic of the gospel presentation. He can pull from Hosea. He can pull from Isaiah. He can pull from Genesis. He can pull from Moses and Deuteronomy. And he can persuade those to whom he writes that this is the gospel from the very beginning. It's not a new gospel. It's a unified gospel that was from the very first. And so his training as a boy in the home of a Jewish home was certainly invaluable to him and greatly used when he became an apostle. In that home, he also learned the rule of law. And I refer again that his father was a Pharisee. In Acts 23, verse 6, you will learn that, that his father was a Pharisee. Pharisees were, they were punctilious in stroking the T's and dotting the I's of every detail of observing law and authority. Now, I know that they had added man-made commandments. They brought in the Mishnah. They had added their own man-made interpretations and made them as important as the very Bible itself. There were corruptions to it, but they impressed upon the young that there is law to be kept. Paul learned that as he grew up in that home. He learned the principle of it. And you will find that when he became an apostle, that Paul believed in authority. He believed in it, of course, by revelation, because he wrote inspired by the Holy Ghost. But he believed that the church of the Lord Jesus is to be governed, ordered. It is not to be the whim and the fancy of men's imagination. One key text I will Take time just to point out to you here is 1 Timothy 3.15. As you know, Timothy is about organizing the church, how it should be structured. And Paul said, But I, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Authority. And some people take a long, long, long time to get this. Church life comes down to authority. And I know we like to call church life fellowship, communion, uh, meetings, getting along and, 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 and enjoying one another. But let's face it, it comes down to authority. When Paul the Apostle uh, sought to sort out the church at Corinth, it came down to authority. Paul learned that as a boy. Paul realized that God speaks, we obey. Having said all these things tonight, let me encourage parents here. And I must say, I, 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 I sat back in my chair at lunchtime yesterday and I said, where am I going to go with this? I had all these threads of information. I had read reams of stuff about Paul's background. I'd looked at the authorities on, 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 on what Paul was. And, and the question that may come to your mind tonight that, that came to my mind was this. What good did all that do him? After all, at 28 years of age, 
He was a murderer. He was a persecutor of the church. He was an enemy of the gospel. There was no more light in his soul than the devil himself. He was the devil's postman carrying the letters of the, of the elders to persecute the church of the Lord Jesus. He was the most feared and the most hated man amongst the Christian community. And we've just gone through about all the things that this man had as a boy growing up. That's what he had by nature. But we learn that privileges by nature alone will only make men hardened to God. That's what we have to learn here. Privileges by nature alone will only make men hardened to God. The Pharisees, the scribes, they had much of what Paul enjoyed. Gamaliel, his teacher, I doubt if he ever was converted. There is no record of it that I've ever come across that Gamaliel, one of the, uh, the most broad-minded teachers, and to think that he's in hell tonight. What made the difference? Conversion. The light on the Damascus Road. The revelation of the Son of God coming into his soul and saving him from his darkness. And as I say, the light went on. And from that moment, all the privileges of his youth, all the exposure to the Greek world and literature, all his knowledge of the Scripture, it clicked in and became the foundation of his service for God. One of our ministers who's now in glory, the Reverend John Wiley, was born and raised a Presbyterian. It said of Presbyterians that in time of drought or in times of famine, they live on the shorter catechism. Well, the Wiley family lived on the shorter catechism. He was not saved in his early youth, but he was taught the catechism, the shorter catechism, the same catechism as we use in our Sunday school with our boys and girls. And he learned every question and every answer word for word. He went along to hear this radical preacher, Ian Paisley, was converted under his ministry. And by God's grace, the years of his youth, learning the shorter catechism, which was just head knowledge, was just intellectual. It didn't change his heart. It didn't give him a new understanding. It was when he was converted that all that he had learned those years, the light came on. And as he could go over those in his mind, he had a ready reference, theological work in his mind. And he became a preacher. He's now in glory. And the number of times that I have heard him preach, he usually in some part of the sermon referred to the shorter catechism. Parents, there are times when we wonder if what we're doing for our kids is doing any good. There are times when we wonder the pains and the efforts that we take to try and raise our children in the gospel, in godliness, and all the struggles that that brings, and it's not easy. 
But we pray that one day, by God's grace, the light will come on, the heart will be renewed, and the work and labor that we have endured in, God will yet use. When we were back in our vacation in Ulster, in our home church, we visited a family, a family that Buell and I have known for almost too many years now that we want to remember. Uh, their children are pretty close in age to our older three anyway, or uh, maybe more than that, probably close to Calvin's age, I think. But one of their boys got away from the Lord, and it was a great trial. And we did hear the news a number of months ago that Jonathan Aiken had come back to the Savior whether he was really converted before this or this was now his first conversion, uh, that's in the Lord's uh, mind. I don't know. But it was a wonderful thing for us to visit with them and to see the family united and to see that the prayers and the labor of parents were not in vain. And I must say it gave us encouragement. It gave us hope. God can take the raw material of pre-conversion days and transform it by grace for his service. That's the message from this young life of the Apostle Paul. He was also a tent maker. We know that he supported himself at times as a tent maker. He was most likely pushed into this it was a common practice to have each son in a Jewish home learn a trade. Indeed, a Jewish rabbi is on record as saying, a father who raises a son without a trade is to raise a thief. In other words, if you raise a son who can't work with his hands, can't support himself, he's going to be robbing someone else to feed himself. And it was looked upon as imperative that a father train his son to give him a trade. And I think we all agree that it's wrong to raise sons who cannot earn their way in this world. That's why we spend so much time and effort to educate them, insisting on their school years that they be diligent, encouraging them and supporting them and helping them through. Well, Paul was a tent maker. And a tent maker in those days was a very common trade. It was one of those trades that you didn't need to have your own workshop. You could just pack up and go anywhere. It was the perfect trade for an apostle. He could be a tent maker in Corinth or Rome or Jerusalem or Asia Minor, anywhere in between. He could turn to his trade to support himself. And he did. He did. And God used that in a wonderful way. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining us on the program today. As we give thanks to the Lord this Thanksgiving season, I want to thank you for your faithful listening to this program and for those who have supported 
with their gifts. It's timely to consider supporting this program with a Thanksgiving gift. We are presently airing these programs on 10 stations right across Canada. Some are on Sunday mornings, and others are Monday to Friday. From time to time, we remind you as our listeners that if you are blessed through these programs, please consider helping us with the cost of airtime to get the gospel out to you and throughout much of Canada. You can check out our donation button on our church website, ltbs.ca. For all the information on how to donate by e-transfer, PayPal, or by mail-in check, go to ltbs.ca. The mailing address is LTBS 18790, 58th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S 1M6. Thank you for your support, large or small. May the Lord bless you and keep you in His care, and above all, save souls through the gospel of His Son, as we preach it on these airwaves each week. For information or pastoral help, go to our website, ltbs.ca, or just give me a call at 604-897-2040. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Have a blessed Thanksgiving week.